Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our hybrid service held on Sunday, August 15th, 2021. To find out how to join us online or in person, and for more general information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. Suzanne, can everybody hear me? Can I thumbs up from everybody at home? And I'm presuming you can hear me in church because I can't see anybody in church. But anyway, a very, very warm welcome to everybody this morning. As you can see, I'm at home and I hear, I am hoping that you can still, if you all gather together in church, you can still hear me and that I'm communicating with you because I can't see you, but what I can see is everybody at home, and of course, we're all with, with you from all sorts of places. Can they hear me? Yeah. Okay, great, thank you. And I know that, you know, um, <laughs> all sorts of places. Actually, I think Elspeth has joined us from a cliff face with some puffins, but most of us are either in our kitchen or in our sitting room this morning. Anyway, a very warm welcome to everybody. Um, I'm going to be leading the first half of the service and then Ian is going to be reflecting for us and then taking on for the second half. And um, uh, let's, so let's just start with a few moments of quiet and just gather our thoughts and sit before God and just be for just a second after all the, the noise and the excitement of coming to the service. Let's have a moment of quiet. Let's open in prayer. Eternal God, maker of the skies above, lowly Christ, lover of the earth and its people, unfettered spirit, giver of gracious gifts. You are a presence of O hidden mystery, sun behind all suns, soul within all souls, in all we touch, in all we meet. You are present among us. As bearers of your image, we come to be reshaped, dependent on your mercy. We And our opening song just simply says in a variety of ways that everything we are and everything we bring to God is okay today. And the refrain in the verse, if you've not heard it, just goes, bring it all, bring it all to me. And the me we're referring to is God. Bring it all, bring it all to me. Anything excited, anything inspired 
bring it all, bring it all to me. Everything that's lazy, everything that's tired, bring it all, bring it all to me. Anything that rages, anything that screams, bring it all, bring it all to me. Everything that wonders, everything that dreams, bring it all, bring it all to me. Anything that's easy, anything that's hard, bring it all, bring it all to me. Everything that's perfect, everything that's scarred, bring it all, bring it all to me. Anything you're proud of, anything you're not, bring it all, bring it all to me. God, we thank you for your word to us. Help us to understand together these hard sayings of Jesus so that we can make it real in our lives and the lives of our community. Amen. You have to forgive me that I'm going to be sitting down for this sermon because I've had a few technical issues trying to print it off. Um, but it's one of those sermons that I, I'd wish I'd, I'd um, before I'd done the rotor, I'd wish I'd looked at the uh, lectionary because it's quite a hard, hard sermon. So 
Um, I'm grappling with it, so if you, these are my thoughts and ideas to try and understand uh, what Jesus means when he says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the blood, you have no life in you. And it seems like our lectionary readings are slowing down, uh, almost in slow motion, as we're now in third week looking at a single chapter uh, on the theme of Jesus as the bread of life and a, a single chapter in John's Gospel. And last week, Judas very eloquently spoke about the people desiring a miracle to feed them in their hunger. And Jesus responds to their immediate need, but makes it clear that he's offering much more than a one-off answer to, to their problem. That he is the very food that sustains, nourishes, and helps us with all that life throws at us uh, each and every day. And today, John develops this metaphor of Jesus as the bread of life, further when he recounts the words that I said at the beginning. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And they're words designed to shock and offend in many ways, particularly at, at the time, not least uh, for the fact that the first century Jew was only permitted to eat meat that was halal, where the blood had been drained out of the animal. So to the hearers, it would have been a shocking statement. And even now, these words are visceral and disturbing with overtones of cannibalism. So the question today is, how do we interpret and make sense of these controversial words, eat my flesh, drink my blood? How do we uh, interpret that and, and live it? And firstly, the background of John writing these words is that he's speaking to the early church who partake in table fellowship, where there is the breaking of the bread in remembrance of the body of Christ and the drinking of the wine in remembrance of the shedding of Christ's blood. So the context of these words is table fellowship, what we now call Holy Communion or the Eucharist, depending on our tradition. And there's little doubt that these words are deliberately designed to be unsettling, provocative, and shocking. And because of them, the uh, early Christians were in fact accused of cannibalism because of their practice of partaking in this eating of the bread and the wine. So what does it mean for us today to eat the flesh of Christ and drink his blood as we partake in the mystery of the Eucharist? And firstly, I'd like to just uh, look at the word mystery. It's often used uh, very, you know, a lot, and some, somehow it sort of creates this idea that a mystery is something that we can never understand. It's so profound we can never actually understand it at all. But I prefer to think of that mystery as something that is so multifaceted and rich that it's endlessly understandable. In other words, we can never get to a point where we say we've fully grasped it. There's always, always more to it. And I remember once uh, as a curate, uh, I asked my mentor, um, an incumbent, what were the major themes uh, he would preach during the year, expecting a lengthy answer. And his response was two words. He said, the Eucharist. 
And I sort of responded incredulously, uh, thinking, uh, every week, I said, and he said, yes, pretty much. It's all in there. And I've always thought that that was quite a limiting response, but I'm beginning to understand what he meant because of how rich uh, that simple ritual that Jesus has given us um, through the ages. And the fact that it's been done by millions of Christians through time, I think, shows that, in, that it is something very rich and profound. So different traditions of the church have different ways of explaining what is happening at the Eucharist, what is happening at Holy Communion. From it on one end of the spectrum being a symbolic act of remembrance um, to the other, which is transubstantiation, where it's believed the bread and wine are transformed into the flesh and blood of Christ. And I don't really want to get into a debate um, about that, theological debate about that. Because whatever position we take along this spectrum, it's clear that John believes that something profound happens in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup for those who partake it. And it's interesting, Gandhi, who was very uh, influenced by Jesus, said of this passage, if Christians really believed uh, what Jesus was saying, they would never get off their knees. So there's something very profound uh, in what Jesus is saying. And I think at the heart of it is that it's less about the bread and wine being transformed, that it's more about our transformation, both individually and collectively. As we remember Jesus' words at the Last Supper and his death on the cross. And the word remembrance comes from the Greek word anamnesis, which has the idea of making something present. And this is what we do when we remember uh, loved ones in different ways, whether it, uh, who we've lost, whether it's looking at a photograph or a hol holding an object that's dear to them, recounting a story about them. We are, in effect, bringing them back to life, making them present in the here and now. And yesterday was the first anniversary of a very close friend of mine's death from cancer. And I spent a little time lighting a candle, remembering her, our conversations and stories at teacher training college, her mildly chaotic, carefree character, her sense of humor, her deep spirituality that was always searching and searching. And this inspired me to live my life slightly differently in a few little small ways. And it made me renew my commitment uh, to be there for her children, particularly her youngest child, um, who I said that I would uh, always look out for and care for. So in that small, simple ritual of lighting a candle and remembering, I made Janet present and a little small transformation uh, occurred in me. And I think similarly, when we remember Jesus as we recount the story of the Last Supper and we partake in the sacrament of Holy Communion, we are making Jesus present again in our lives and in the life of our community, thereby allowing us, in effect, to gain sustenance from Christ and be transformed by Christ, which effectively means changing our life scripts, how we see the world and how we act in it. And just a bit um, off script, uh, this week I've met a number of people from St. James and 
I've been really impressed by the depth of their spirituality and also the positive impact that their lives make on the world. But in, the, in a number of cases, I've heard the same uh, sort of phrase, and they've said, I'm not sure I can call myself a Christian because of what I believe. And I try and reassure them that they're actually on the right journey, as Jesus in the Gospels doesn't seem to require us to have a set of beliefs, but he requires us to follow him, to follow the way, to follow the path of transformation and also that we bring the kingdom of God in, into the world. In other words, we bring the values of Jesus Christ into the world. And this remembering of the Eucharist, making present, is done through a very, very physical act where we ingest food and we imbibe wine. I know we can't do that at the moment. We, we, we're, it's one kind, but usually that's what we do. And St. Augustine said, we eat who we are. We imbibe the body of Christ until we become the body of Christ. That's what he said in the fourth century. And I've always linked Holy Communion with Jesus' death and resurrection. But while preparing this re reflection, I realized that it also links as strongly to his incarnation. John mentions flesh just once in John 1 before this reading when he describes Jesus as the, the word made flesh. In other words, God Christ who was present at the beginning of creation of the world becomes material, becomes human, becomes body, flesh and blood. And the incarnation is God's big yes to the material physical world, to the earth, to nature, to art, to music, to our bodies, to our sexuality, to our emotional lives, to our relationships, and to one another, and all the messiness that that brings. These are all profoundly sacred. So it's the closing of the gap between matter, physicality, and spirituality. And so when we come to the table, the physical act of eating bread becomes a sacred act of spiritual nourishment. And the spiritual act of it becomes a, phys a physical um, nourishment to us. So similarly, the blood of a sacrificial animal was considered to be the lifeblood of the animal being poured out. So again, as we drink wine, we are feeding on the life of Jesus so that it may give us life. The drinking of the wine blood also has a sense of participating in the suffering of Jesus and opening up our hearts to the suffering of the world, which inevitably means experiencing pain and the pain of others. And I think if anything transforms us, it's our suffering and the suffering of Christ, which has the potential to really change us, to make us more compassionate and empathetic to others that our sufferings, our wounds, our shedding of blood, then become life to other people. And I think I may have mentioned this, but a big turning point uh, in my Christian life was a very sort of almost offhand comment that a, a Catholic priest said to me, that Jesus came on earth not to make us more spiritual, but to make us more human. In other words, to be able to live our lives in its fullness, in both its joy and sadness. And that simple comment earthed my faith 
it took it out, out from the clouds and brought it right back down uh, into the here and now, into the very business of world, of the world and the messiness of living life. It reorientated my Christian life so that things like the concern for the planet and the natural world and concern for justice for those on the margins became as important as prayer and other spiritual practices. Please don't think I'm saying that prayer and spiritual practices aren't important, but they became, again, what was going on in the world and spirituality came together, the bringing together of the physical and the spiritual. So there we believe that there is some reality in the mystery of the sacrament of Holy Communion, that through remembrance we make Christ present so that we can feed on him through the bread and wine, so that we reorientate our lives, change our life scripts in such a way that we become a source of healing and life to others and to our planet, both individually and collectively as a community. And as we participate in communion, that we recognize our own dignity, our own power, our own capacity and potential to be the body of Christ on earth. And this is something we all struggle with because we feel so human, so ordinary, so broken, so weak and sinful. But as Pope Paul says, maybe we need to stop making the sacrament of Holy Communion a prize for the perfect and realize it is food for the hungry, medicine for the sick, and as Judith said last week, the very sustenance for our earthly journey through life. Amen. Loving Father, we come before you today, some of us with hearts full of joy and life, some feeling sadness with the stresses and strains of life. And today we open our hearts to you, asking you to nourish us with the bread of life. And so in a moment's quietness, let's just each open our hearts to God and ask him to share with us in this moment. I'll end each prayer with the words, giver of life, and ask you to respond with, hear our prayer. Giver of life, hear our prayer. And our first prayer, that Lord's prayer that asks us to give us bread. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Giver of life, hear our prayer. Loving Father, you sent Jesus to be our life and our nourishment. And we give you thanks and praise today for that great gift of the Eucharist, of bread and wine, of sharing in your life. 
giver of life, hear our prayer. And loving Father, we pray today that you will transform us individually and as your people here worshipping you in least today and enable us individually and as a church to share Jesus, the bread of life, with others. Giver of life, hear our prayer. And loving Father, we ask today that you will not just bless those who are poor or hungry, but that you will energize our politicians and those of us who have plenty to share that. Giver of life, hear our prayer. And loving Father, we ask today that you will not just bless those who are refugees and those who live in areas of war and conflict, but you will energize us and our politicians for all of us who have plenty and who have a settled life to share that with others in need. Giver of life, hear our prayer. And dear Lord Jesus, your life sustains us. Help us each day to share our life and your life with those we meet every day. And in a moment's quietness, let's just bring some people to mind that we meet regularly and think about sharing the life of Jesus with them. Giver of life, hear our prayer. And blessed God, you gave us this whole creation and put in our hands the responsibility for the care of the earth and all its creatures. We remember the COP conference in October where political leaders will meet to try and solve the problems of sustaining earth in a good way. So we pray that you will help all political leaders and each of us to work for the good of our creation, for the good of your creation and for all it brings. Giver of life, hear our prayer. So holy and righteous God, thank you for living in our world, for facing our pain, enduring our ridicule and facing death for us. Thank you for the hope that frees us from the fear of death. Thank you for the confidence this has and gives us in life's trials. And we ask that you will be with us this week as we seek to be your body on this earth. And thank you for giving us the living bread of Jesus in whose name we pray. So we ask that you will accept these prayers in the name of our Lord and Saviour. Amen.
nourished by Jesus our Lord. Now we are strengthened to live by his word. Now we are summoned to love and obey. Now we will walk in his way. of thanksgiving. Give thanks to our gracious God. So I now pray a blessing on all who are here and all who are at home. And I hope you've shared uh, in bread or uh, whatever it is at home and feel connected to us in church. So a blessing on our heads and on our houses. A blessing in our coming and going. A blessing in our life and believing. A blessing at our end and new beginning. Please be seated.